Welcome back to the Make Marketing Easy podcast. I'm your host, Joel Gaslin, coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My guest today is Jason Wright. Jason's a marketing automation expert with lots of experience in helping people automate processes to help make marketing easier. It's a really fun conversation that I had with Jason. I hope you enjoy it. He gives you lots of good insights on what's new in marketing automation, how he got to where he is today, and sort of what he thinks is coming for the marketing automation world. I'm also excited to announce the launch of my new online course called How to Become a High Achieving Sales Rep. It's easy to find. Go to makemarketingeasy.com right in the homepage and click the big buttons that say buy a course. And you can go and look at it and check it out. As always, thanks a lot for stopping by. I hope you enjoy the interview with Jason. So tell me about why you don't like to get up early in the morning. Because I'm usually up till two o'clock in the morning. I stay up that late. So if I'm getting up early, I'm only sleeping three or four hours, which my age is not real fun anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to that. So I work for myself. We've got two businesses from home and we live in a golf course and I play golf a lot. My neighbor's like, God, do you do anything? And it's funny because it's like, if you really knew what my day was like, you wouldn't want to do it. It's just not at the typical nine to five hours or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's like work and then get away from it for a while, then get back into it in the evening. So that's what I like to do. It creates good balance with the family. And it, you know, I try to stay 100% fresh when I'm in the chair, so to speak, at all times if I can. Yeah, well, that's good. Because I think we've talked about a little bit maybe or kind of exchanged back and forth. And if you looked at any stuff, you know, what my interest in, in a sort of overused phrase, but my passion is sort of the union of sales and marketing. And yep. you know, my career has been in both sales and marketing, and I lead a sales and marketing organization now. So I, I like to put content out there that helps salespeople understand marketing principles and sort of the next phase will be helping marketing people get better at sort of sales principles. So nice. so when I think about what you're doing with you know, marketing automation, and when you think about that, how would you see kind of an everyday road warrior? Well, that's not so true right now, but yeah. But you know, a person who's just selling every day, and I don't, when I say just, I don't mean that diminutively, that you know, their goal is to sell products and services every day. How do you see them using marketing automation? Just for the follow-up, if nothing else, hey, I meet with this person, I drop them in an automation, and then the next day they're going to get just a sincere thank you, even if it's an email. Maybe a week later they get another email that says, hey, if you've thought anything or you know thought of anything further, just let me know. Just keeping that relationship going is a big deal because I think in today's world, we get so busy that we forget to say thanks and value people for their time. So something that simple could be really helpful. Yeah, that's great. I agree with that. So in your experience, you know, if you were to just hazard a guess, what percent of the sales rep population do you think are using this on their own? I mean, outside of what their marketing team may be doing. One percent. Yeah, I think you're right. Pretty low. How do you think we change that? I think if you get into an organization, if you're thinking of like the corporate world, and you get somebody to embrace it and they start having success with it, I think that firsthand testimonial to their peers would change it. Hey, this is going to make your life easier and give you better results. So I think that's the way you go about it, to be honest. Yeah. It's amazing that sales reps, how, you know, I say this again in a nice way, and I say myself the same way that a lot of times we're parrots, you know, we hear something that works well or see something that works well, and we tend to keep doing it over and over again. So I think you're right about sharing those success stories of- how it's working because I've seen a lot of people like to do that. So you work with a lot of different tools, Jason, yep. the ClickFunnels, ActiveCampaign, Zapier, all that sort of stuff. If you were a person sort of 
individually working, maybe working for a company, maybe not looking to spend a bunch of money. What sort of tools would you try and learn to use and use on your own in your business? Yeah, great question. My advice with everybody is always the same, even with this is this being a little bit different, but still the same. Start with the back end. So a product like Active Campaign or a marketing automation tool is really the foundation of anything you're going to do online for marketing or sales, in my opinion, especially marketing. But just getting you know everybody you're talking to into an email database, so to speak, so you can follow up with them, so you can share value with them and keep in touch. That's that's really the place to start. The mistake that most people make is they think, oh, it's that thing I'll get to later when I have nothing else to do and everything else is done, but they're thinking about it 100% backwards. So that would be my advice for sure. Yeah. So sort of the old Stephen Covey beginning with the end in mind. Yeah, absolutely. So you... Like in a typical day, what are you working on? What are you doing? <laughs> it's an interesting world, my friend. Once upon a time, it was like many people trying to find business and get people convinced to give me a shot and close it. But these days, it's interesting. I've kind of inadvertently built this machine that brings incoming leads to me. So I call it like content or attraction-based marketing. Okay. And then people will come to me. And when they come to me, first top part of my sales funnel is like, hey, let's get on a call. I always do a video call, whether their videos on or not doesn't matter, but video is the quickest way to get people comfortable with who you are. Because if you watch somebody in video, you can figure out within about 20 seconds, do I believe what this person's saying? Are they paying attention? Is what they're saying resonating with their body language and that type of thing? So it builds authority and trust, like probably the closest thing to face-to-face, to to be honest with you. So it's really powerful in that regard. But uh, when I get on a call with somebody, it's like, hey, where are you now and where are you trying to go? So I got to figure out who I'm dealing with, but I'm usually dealing with either full sales funnels, builds or pieces of it. So people, a lot of clients won't understand what that means from the language, but they'll say, Hey, I realize I can't grow with my business because after I spend money on ads and people get into our list and if we don't close them, we don't know what to do next. So they'll explain a broken piece in the back end generally. But if I use those terms, I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm trying to help them understand what they're dealing with. And then if it's something that I'm in the world of doing, uh, you know, there might be consulting, there might be projects, there might be recurring things I can help them with. It just depends. But things in that world, outside of that, you know, jumping on awesome podcasts like this one, jumping on radio, video, uh, putting in a lot of effort to kind of build the brand and keep the thing going as well. Yeah. What part of the country do you live in? So I'm in central Indiana. I'm from Indianapolis, about 35 minutes south of there now, in a little town called Martinsville. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you're a Packer fan, though, because of your family, I guess, huh? Yeah, so my mom and her side of the family is kind of from central Wisconsin, and my dad is from the uh, not-so-friendly city of Racine, Wisconsin, but I've always uh, heard about the Packers, and my stepdad's a big Bears fan, so there's always that rivalry in the house. My uh, grandpa was from Duluth, so there's always that Minnesota flavor, and I'm a diehard Colts fan, so it's yeah, would, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> All that tension comes from there. Well, I think most of my listeners know that I'm a Vikings fan. I'm not a. I'm not, I don't live and die by football, but yeah. I do like to watch the Vikings. And yep. it's weird watching it right now with the whole no fans, and it's almost like watching a scrimmage. I, it's just it's weird. Super strange. Absolutely. Well, even watching, I really like golf too, and it's like even watching golf. It's super strange because there's like no one there. It's just as an athlete, you thrive on that crowd, you know, and it's just uh, can't imagine what those guys are going through and gals trying to, to feel normal doing what they do best, you know? 
Well, it's interesting when I watched the first golf tournament that I watched sort of post-COVID, Phil Mickelson made a nice putt and he went to sort of tip his cap to the crowd. <laughs> there was no one there. Did you see that? <laughs> no, but I can picture it in my head. Yeah, yeah it was. But then he got sort of his boyish grin that he gets. Oh, when he yeah. <laughs> I can picture it perfectly. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, wait, there's nobody there. You know, so, so the business that I spend a lot of time in is you know, the medical device world. And, yep. and some of what we're struggling with right now is so much of our client base and potential client base are really just internally focused. And how do I keep my patients safe? How do I keep my staff safe? I'm really not interested in hearing commercial messages and talking that sort of stuff. How would you think about that? And what advice would you offer as a means to try and sort of cut through some of that for right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the secret that really isn't a secret, but it's something we lose sight of a lot is in the relationship, right? If you can build a relationship, and I know it's hard from the beginning, but if you can build a real relationship with the people you're trying to serve, it just makes everything else so much easier. I did corporate sales in the past and approached things very differently then than I do now. But in my own personal experience, when you can start a relationship just talking to another person like you would a neighbor in a, in a different environment and keep it going that way, it definitely makes a conversation and the different steps throughout the customer journey much easier. Right. And so how do you take your platform or when you design email sequences and things like that, how do you set those up and try and align them to sort of, you know, your customer pathway or journey or sort of process or whatever terminology you like to use? It's challenging because there's a couple of reasons why, you know, everybody's got a different ideal customer avatar. So what works for me might be a little bit different for a different industry. But one thing to remember is even though you outline, and just for anybody listening that maybe doesn't resonate with the term, but anytime you think of your customer journey, it's like the time from when they find you to when they buy and then when they buy again, and then they actually kind of become a brand ambassador for you. So it's a little bit longer than a lot of people think. But I realize that sometimes people will discover you and go straight to customer immediately. So people will kind of leapfrog steps in the funnel. But I try to build my marketing around, okay, I like to educate, I like to entertain, I like to have a little fun. And sometimes, you know, you have to sell as well, which is not a bad thing. But you have to understand that your marketing message should try to move a certain segment of your customer audience or potential customer audience forward in that process, if that makes sense. So it involves some testing and some things like that. I mean, you're not going to get it right the first time always, but I think the biggest key is just staying consistent with it. You know, if people give up too soon, it's always a really bad thing. Marketing's all about momentum for sure. Right. It's about that. And, and the old you know persistence always still pays off in my experience. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, you know, it's interesting too, Jason, is I, is, you know, the term funnel, I know it's used a lot. And to me, it implies a certain linearity to marketing and selling that I'm not sure is always there because I like to think of it almost more like a bowl of spaghetti more than a funnel. Funnel kind of works because you can say top of the funnel and you want, you know, one sale to pop out and or however many sales you can kind of funneling it down. So I, I get all that, but mm -hmm. how do you think about that or what do you do to sort of to keep the spaghetti sort of sauced up and appetizing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it goes back to relationship, you know, every relationship's different, but it all starts the same, right? People become aware that you exist, that there's a getting to know you phase. There's a letting people know who you are and what you're trying to do. And then like any relationship in your life, you value, you always have to contribute to it, right? You can't take more than you give. Otherwise it's not going to end well and you're going to end up alone. So, you know, a funnel, like you say, in some businesses, their process might be more linear, in others, it might be more scattered. So I think from a 
conceptual platform. I mean, it makes sense, but you know, you're right. It's a little different for everybody. So again, I go back to the relationship and think of the most important relationships in my life and keep that at you know the front of mind when it comes to even my own funnel as well. So you have some pretty impressive entrepreneurial accolades in your stuff. You've done a lot of work on Upwork. Tell me about how you got started with that and what was that like getting going with? Upwork was, it's funny because when I first started this company, Intentionally Inspirational that I have now, first 18 months, I really didn't make any money. I knew I wanted to impact people, couldn't figure out the business model. Eventually, I started making a little money writing for other people. So I was on Craigslist and I was on Text Broker and some other platforms for making money with blogs, believe it or not. I didn't even know what copywriting was. And then on Upwork, I discovered that there were some different writing categories and I started noticing, okay, there's people making a lot of money with copywriting. Like, what is copywriting? So I started to learn a little bit about the art of persuasion and things like that. But I realized it's really conversational. Like, it, that works for me in this space really well. So I got on Upwork initially to write. And then I started noticing that the things I had learned for myself with ClickFunnels and Active Campaign and Facebook ads were actually in high demand by other people as well. So at some point, I got somebody to give me a shot and got the job done well and got a good review and just kind of kept that going. So it was really, really slow starting. I never even considered there would be even a part-time consistent income flow. And I started to see that and started to say, okay, if I just become obsessed with the five-star experience at Upwork, I think I might be able to turn this into a monster lead source for me. And it just grew and grew. And now it's you know maybe one of, I don't know, eight or 10 lead sources, but it's been really good to me because all those reviews that are now really relevant with what I do index with Google, and it's been a really good thing. But yeah, it's, you know, people will say, oh, Upwork doesn't work. And what they don't see is kind of the dark side. I guess that's the wrong thing. They don't see the private side of Upwork which is the invitation-only jobs that the general public never sees. There's some unbelievable clients. Some of the best people I've ever met came from there because it's the world's biggest place for freelancers. So it's really, really powerful if you're willing to put in the work and become the best. Right. I've used it in my business just for graphic design and some things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's been great. It's been a great experience. I've never had a bad one. So that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it for copywriting and all that sort of stuff. I guess I write all that stuff myself, so I don't Yeah. It's a great skill set to have, I tell you what. Yeah. How do you think more sales reps can get better at that? Because it's funny, I have the conversation with sales people, even our operations folks, that written word is so important that when you send an email or you send a text, take a few minutes and write it well. Yeah. And I get sort of funny looks sometimes. What do you think about that? No, you're spot on. I mean, it's got to be intentional. It's got to be your real voice. Like you can still be professional, but put your own personality into it. I'll tell you what you don't want to do is you don't want to come across, I don't know if you get these, but almost every day I get messages from people on LinkedIn I've never talked to, and they're always hard selling me in the first message. Oh, so I, I call it digital door-to-door sales. Yeah. It's like, I don't know you, bro. Why are you trying to sell me your thing? I'm not going to get on a call with you. I'm not going to talk to you. It's not worth yeah. my time, but they just don't get it. It's amazing to me. You're absolutely right because I get you know, I'm a pretty open, I guess maybe the right term is I'm an open linker. Yeah. And so if someone sends me a request, I can, unless it's just obviously really weird, I accept it. But I'm humbled and amazed by how many times you're absolutely right. I get an immediate, hey, let's jump on a call for 30 minutes. Like, do you understand how 30 minutes of my time is worth? I mean, it's yeah. just like, and other people's time, not just mine, but when they're asking, it's just, you haven't given me any value. 
you haven't shown me anything that's interesting. You just, and the first paragraph is all about me, 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 me. Yeah, like, there you go. I was hoping you'd say that. Absolutely. You know, sometime what I should do next time somebody does it, which will probably be tomorrow, I should just send them a link to my calendar so they can pay for and book an hour of consulting with me first. See how they like that. See, that's we can talk about anything you want to, but you're going to pay me first. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, as as I think, you know, should I send back an email or, you know, a response in a nice way saying, Hey, you know, you might want to think about, but then I just think, well, that just sounds kind of preachy, so I'll just leave it alone. You're a better man than I. When I'm in the right mood, I'll send back and say, does this digital door-to-source sales really work for you? And sometimes people will talk to me about it, and a lot of times they'll go quiet, but I'm a nice guy, but I'm very, very direct, so sometimes I just uh, kind of rip into them and see what happens, you know? Yeah, well, I'm not a better person than anybody, but you're right. I sometimes think about that, and maybe I'll try that one of these days. <laughs> You've got a new service or something you're called PerfectEmailSecrets.com that you're working on and promoting. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so going back to what I was talking to earlier, it's just a welcome sequence, right? It's a three-email sequence. When somebody joins your email list, ideally, you're giving them some kind of value up front. So there's some kind of a lead magnet generally that they're getting, and after they get that, this is just a three email sequence I wrote myself. It's, hey, this is where you are. This is what you should expect. This is how I can help you. This is why you should care and pay attention. And it's a great way to onboard people into your list. And 99% of businesses don't do it. It's absolutely foundational. And I give you one that I've used for my own business and used for dozens of clients. And I give you an explainer video as well, just trying to give you real value, right? And I spent probably eight hours putting it together. So it's not junk. And it's just designed to give people a big step forward. So there's uh, Microsoft Word docs. You can use the templates and pop in the stuff, the info that makes sense for your business and save a bunch of time. Yeah, no, I, I downloaded it and I thought it was well done. So congratulations. That's a nice, oh, thanks. valuable piece of content to put out there. Yeah. I think maybe we talked about it. So in April, I went through the story brand guide training with Donald nice. Miller. Story brand book. And, yeah. and so I became a certified guide. And so a lot of the stuff you're talking about really resonates with me because for instance, like I have a six email sequence and when someone joins my list and downloads a PDF that I have available as my, what we call a lead magnet, mm-hmm. I have a six email sequence that delivers the asset and then defines a problem, offers a solution, talks about a paradigm shift, has kind of a testimonial and then kind of a long form sales letter to follow up to try and get people to participate in the online course I've put together. So. Mm-hmm. But getting those that stuff all put together and in place, you know, it's a lot of work. It's interesting because I've noticed something. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of businesses in the last couple of years at this point. And I've noticed regardless of how successful somebody is financially, most people struggle with this stuff in the same way. They start to think about marketing or even sales or both. And there's an instant overwhelm, which I understand. But this is what I never expected. There's always this shame around it, too they lower their voice and they quietly tell me how embarrassed they are that they haven't done this better. And it's like, why does everybody do that? It's, I don't know. It's really interesting, but even people who are making, you know, five, 10 million bucks a year as entrepreneurs are doing very well, still have that. And it's like, wow, you're being vulnerable about the same things that startups are that I talk to. It's just really interesting to me. Huh? That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. I know I could be doing so much more. I just, and they start making them excuses why they haven't. And I was like, Hey, it doesn't matter to me at this point. We just met, you know? Yeah. So then do you offer them sort of a done for you solution to sort of help them with that? Or what's it depends. Your- so most relationships start with a project or consulting. And then from there, I'm in actually in the process of kind of 
shutting, I just kind of killed a few services in the business and just slightly pivoting. Same info, but some things I don't want to do anymore. I'm just not going to do. And changed up some active campaign specific kind of agency services as well. So depends where they are, depends what they want to do. Sometimes, you know, those continuing services are a fit and other times they're not. So it just really depends on what their needs are in relation to kind of what I can and what I want to do at the time. Right. Is there a business you can think of or maybe a situation you can think of where you wouldn't use marketing automation? No. There's some that are going to be completely driven by it. They can't function without it. And there's some that might be able to just do the simple things. Hey, thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for joining and coming on as a paid client. There's another one, right? Just because you make the sale shouldn't stop. So a lot of that simple stuff every business can use, but some clients I've worked with, there literally is no business without automation. Like everything's automated. There's no actual human touch, which is interesting, but not really. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there are so many points and so many aspects of businesses where people can take the time to think through and be thoughtful about automation and save themselves a lot of time to free up opportunities to work on perhaps more sort of fruitful things within their business and sort of. Absolutely. Cause we all have to ask ourselves, where's my time best spent when I'm working? You know, I can't do everything. You can't do everything. So where am I best for me? I'm best on the new business calls. I'm best on the video, promoting the brand and doing stuff like this. And for everything else that I'm not an expert in, don't need to be doing, we can find somebody else to kind of step into that role. I mean, we all have the same 168 hours in a week. We can't be everywhere and be everything to everybody, you know? Right. So I also learned that you're six feet, five inches tall, but people see you on video and think he's five feet. <laughs> How do you accomplish that? Probably because in the chair, I'm just kind of like hunched over because I'm sitting at the desk all day. But as soon as we get off here today, I'm going to walk out back and chip some golf balls around. And just because you got to mix it up, you know, one extreme to the other. But yeah, in, yeah. in video, I'm, I'm never standing. I've actually got a wall in the office here that I got so I could stand and use it for green screen and videos and stuff. I just haven't done it yet. So I don't know. But when I talk to people or they meet me in real life, sometimes they're like, oh, man, I thought you were tiny. I'm like, why would you think that? They're like, I don't know. I just pictured this itty bitty tiny little guy. I'm like, yeah, it's not me. So yeah. I wouldn't have said it. Your voice doesn't make you sound tiny. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and me, I'm incredibly average. You know, I'm five feet, nine inches tall. I weigh yeah. 160 pounds and i'm just sort of right in the middle of everything <laughs> yeah there you go the world is built for you not for me uh, everything yeah, I, is uh i fit into just about anything i can wear you know suits off the rack and it's all good stuff so there you go <laughs> well what haven't i asked you about that maybe you wanted to talk about or you think we should talk about or something you think is cool in marketing oh uh, just i don't know i'm really passionate about the idea that yeah there's a lot of tools out there that can help you do stuff at the end of the day I think the key is if you can build and maintain relationships authentically in any role, especially sales and marketing, I know you can have better success. And selling doesn't feel like selling anymore, right? It's just a couple people having a conversation. And the greatest position to be in is when people come to you and they're like, we haven't met, but I want to pay you now for this thing because this other person told me about it. That has got to be the coolest thing in the world when that happens. And that's kind of the biggest compliment that, hey, whatever you're doing, it's working. So keep doing it, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I just recently launched an online course called How to Become a High Achieving Sales Rep. Mm -hmm. And just the first module, it'll ultimately have seven modules and each module has five lessons in it. And not too long ago, I had my first sale that was not somebody I knew. Yeah. 
So I can relate. It was really exciting. I was like, wow, you know, this is really cool. And I still have so much work to do around the automation of follow-up sequences on that little project too. So I still have a day job that I like and enjoy and I'm grateful for that takes a lot of my time and I try and do all this stuff. Kind of that's my hobby. I don't really have I used to play golf, but I don't play golf anymore. Kids <laughs> are all grown and gone and so I have time and I just have to stay focused on the right stuff. So you know what's funny is man, everybody listening, if you can take your experience in life and put it into an information product like Joel's saying, what an amazing way to reach people and impact people, even when you may be sleeping and make money from information. I mean, it's just the greatest time to be alive in for business for that reason. It's so neat. And that's really good advice in there. And even in addition to that, like I talk about in this course, there are automation tools that sales reps can set up to help them have to build relationships with their clients, like using Google Alerts. I'm amazed at how few of our sales reps have Google Alerts set up around their current customers and the prospects they're working on that just sort of deliver them information that they can then build a relationship and respond to them and communicate with them in something other than just, hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. You know, so it's interesting to think about this too. So a lot of people I know are are like me in this regard that when I buy something, I'm the kind that's going to research it. I'm going to get reviews from a few different sites. And when I show up at the car dealership, for example, I'm coming to drive three things and buy something that day. So I don't respond well to a hard sale. So when I was in sales, sometimes I'd have to have that talk with myself and say, hey, if I'm doing something I hate to other people, why do I think it's going to work? So sometimes even just having that reflective moment saying, okay, what's my process like? And how do I like to be spoken to and stuff like that? It's helpful to think about. Right. When I was out in the field selling, I had some sort of go-to ways that I thought about things and talked about. And I routinely in follow-up to people say, hey, I, my goal is to be politely persistent. And if you feel like I'm crossing that line at any point, I'd be grateful if you'd let me know. Yeah. And then the other thing was, you know, I'd be calling on doctors in their offices, right? So there were so many times when I'd show up in the, because, you know, you got to make cold calls. You want to make appointments, you want, but, you know, you have to, when you're out and about, you have to try and use yeah. your time. Now, it's different with COVID now, but anyway. And the line I'd use, because I'd show up in a waiting room and, and you know, with the receptionists knew who we were, right? We all kind of looked the same and we all had the same fancy suits on. And, and so they'd kind of roll their eyes when you'd walk in. And my, <laughs> my line was always, hey, I understand that I'm unannounced and uninvited. And I'm grateful if you just let the doctor know I'm here. And it was amazing how they look at me and go, oh, well, okay, at least you know. There's something different about this one, you know. Yeah, you're not acknowledging you're interrupting me. You know, so I love what you said a minute ago about giving people permission to tell you no. It's one of the best lessons I ever learned from a sales manager I had once upon a time, but I do that now in my business. So like my style now is very laid back. It's like, Hey, I hear you. I hear where you want to go. Here's how I could help you. If it makes sense, here's the price point. Here's the timeline. And if you want to do it, let's roll. And if not, like, and this sounds aggressive, but I'm going to grow my business with or without you. I tell people that very confidently and it's not to be cocky. It's just letting them know that I'm not going to hound you. I'm not going to chase you down to get you to say yes, because I don't need to. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really confident, but it's sincere. Like, it's literally, I don't need one client to grow the business. And if it makes sense, you want to work together, let's do it. And if not, like, no problem. Not real sensitive that way. And it's amazing how many people are like, I'm in. Right. You know, or they'll have a price objection. Like, can you adjust your price? And like, I could, but I'm not going to because I don't want to go backwards my profit margin. So if it doesn't make sense, just don't do it. I can't tell you the amount of people that are like, I'm in. It's like, what? What just happened? 
Yeah, that's really human good psychology. Is so interesting, you know. Yeah, you know, standing your ground and defending your price is really important. I talk to our sales team about that all the time. That yeah. you know, just a ten percent decline in top line revenue, you know, drops right to the bottom line. And if you're running at a fifty percent margin, yep. it's a twenty percent decline in profit. So it can be sort of a whip that people tend to. I always about. think about a simple car company, Honda. When's the last time you saw Hondas go on sale? Yeah, they don't. Right. They don't need to. Right. If you don't want to buy a Honda, they're still going to sell their cars. Go buy something else. But it's interesting. And obviously, you could go to the luxury brands and go even further with that. But I just think of a simple Honda. We always had him growing up. I've got Honda and Toyota in the driveway right now because they run forever. I never have to do anything to them. But you know what you're going to get, You know, especially if you had them before and you know what the price is and you're either willing to pay it or you're not. So it's something I think about sometimes, you know? Yeah. So what are you working on to accomplish in the next, by the end of the year to set yourself up well for your business for 2021? It's funny you ask that because I just kind of adjusted my goals instead of just out in the future, specifically between today and December 31st. And I'm focusing on, like I said, I've got rid of all paid advertising. I'm not going to do that for clients anymore. I just don't want to, like period. I just don't want to. So I'm just going to do active campaign specific recurring services So I've already kind of teased that out there and I've already got people like I want to buy now, which is great because I haven't even built anything yet. I haven't even done anything. So that's good. And the whole idea is there. I'm like, you know, I'm the certified consultant. I'm going to train a team to do that. And if they have questions, a team can ask me, but they're going to be client facing electronically. So that's scalable without me being the person, the point of contact. That's the whole point of that. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about growing my one-on-one coaching program. I've got a few strategy programs for businesses that already have their own team, already have their person, but just really value that outside set of eyes in this space. So I'm excited about that. And then uh, project-wise, I'm getting to a place where I'm just taking on big ticket custom sales funnels that I really enjoy. I only need one or two of those a month to be in a very happy place. So a lot of the more tedious, smaller projects, some of my wife, I said, uh, it may be time to kill those. I don't think I can do it anymore. I just don't have the time. So just trying to spend my time doing things I enjoy even more, trying to increase the impact and, and do some scaling at the same time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. And so finally, before we sign off, and this will be uh, you know laid down on digital media in perpetuity, who are you picking for the U.S. Open? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't even know how to answer it because there's so many good players right now. And they leapfrog each other and kind of jump around. I think Dustin Johnson's probably a safe bet. If you weren't going to answer, I was going to go on a limb and say, I think DJ's the guy. Yeah. The thing I like about him, I didn't realize he's a big, tall guy too. He's skinny, but he's 6'4". And the thing I like about him as a person is he's so laid back. Well, man, I wish I could be that laid back. The guy. I wish we had a story about him that when he was playing, when he was going to be a senior at Coastal Carolina, he played in the U.S. amateur up here at Hazeltine. Mm Mm-hmm. And a guy that was back when I was playing a lot of golf and I belonged to a golf club and a buddy of mine at my golf club was a host family for him. Mm -hmm. Another buddy of ours caddied for him for the week of the USAM. So we got to know the kid when he was a senior in college and he's a fun guy. A lot of fun. But he's super steady. He's not like a Brooks Kepka that gets all mouthy in the media and stuff. He's super steady in his games, obviously in a really good place right now as well. All right, my man. Well, I'm grateful for your time. And if there's anything I may do for you or help you in any way, let me know. And I'd be happy to return the favor of being on the podcast. So Awesome. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to our continued relationship.
That's it for today's episode. Thanks a lot for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Jason Wright. Remember, please stop by MakeMarketingEasy.com and check out my new course called How to Become a High Achieving Sales. And also, keep working to align sales and marketing. It's your ticket to success.